hit record there. All right, folks, here we go. And welcome once again, uh, golf nerds. This country's uh, highly regarded mental performance golf podcast is back. Uh, my name's uh, Howard Glassman, eponymously known as Golf Spiritual Leader. And uh, with me, the mental performance coach from the Glen Abbey Academy, Timothy O'Connor, Esquire. Hey. Esquire, no less. I like it. Hang on a second. I got to turn that down. And uh, I can turn you back up. Right, let me see. There we go. There we go. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, before we get to uh, the program today, we're, as always, excited to uh, tell everyone this program is made possible by the fine folks at TaylorMade Golf, the uh, number one driver in golf. And we can talk a little bit about equipment and maybe some of our early season stumbling has to do with, uh, in my case, brand new equipment. But uh, the I'll tell you, the TaylorMade 790s that I'm playing, I want to get into it a little bit later, amazing. And Tim, also, this program made possible by Adidas Golf Canada and the new Tour 360 2.0 golfing shoe pretty amazing are you using those yet are you got them on your feet no no I, i'm still boost 360 i got like three beautiful pairs well Maybe i'll tell you order me some of that you like. should because the tour 360 2.0 uh available at adidasgolf.ca is geared for more also i'll tell you what i have upstairs is the ultimate 365 polo and I don't know if you golf nerds would think that there's a much difference from year to year. Ever since Adidas came out with that Climacool technology where you, uh, when you're sweating in the summer, it sort of keeps you a little bit drier. But I will say this. The new polos are amazing. Just, I mean, I, I, neither of us, Timmy and I, are we're not the most fashionable guys. But I tell you what, the other day I saw you, you saw me. We look like we're professionals. We look good. Darn Damn it. right we do. Gosh darn it. We, <laughs> we did. did. We looked. Look, don't look like old guys. We well, look like stylish professionals. Well, you you still have a, an ass. I mean, your clothes look. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I'm so. You're like two years older than me, and you still have a rump. My rump left me in my 40s, along with my <laughs> eyesight. Do anyway. Do some squats, dude. Do some squats. Oh, squats, schmats. I got so many. Uh, I, I don't think there's enough squats in the world to bring my butt home. Um. <laughs> Listen, let's all uh, make sure we uh, know that uh, the program is available. You can like us on Facebook, and, of course, we would appreciate that. Download the program whenever you can. I keep hearing from people. I uh, ran into a few guys at a tournament recently that uh, said, hey, been listening to the podcast over the winter or things like catching up on the podcast. I really enjoy it. Those are some of the comments I get. What about you? Yes, very affirming. Um, yeah, I have clients who will quote, certain shows like the uh, shows like the fred shoemaker show uh the show with uh you know the the professor ladies as they call them uh gabriel wolf and gosh darn it i forget the other 
very professional lady's name. Frau Blucher. Frau Blucher. You know what that reference yeah. is from? Uh, Young Frankenstein. So- Really? Don't you remember Cloris Leachman was this character, Frau Blucher, and every time someone mentioned her name, a horse in the distance would go, Aah! Anyway. Well, I just remember Terry Gar, and they go up to, uh, <laughs> should we get into that? And they, he knocks on the door, and he goes, what, knockers? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway. Um, that, was yeah. the bad old, that was the bad old 80s. But the, know, uh, the, the point of it all is that people seem to be enjoying this uh, chit-chat about golf and, and golf-related things um tim dot uh sorry that's another tim uh tim o'connor golf.ca of course your email if people want to book you for a session and i'll tell you what get in there because the other day i ran into uh timmy at glenn karen where i'm a member of uh club link never been a better time to join club link i saw tim and i said what's up man he's like oh i'm here all day i got like 19 clients i'm like good for you (laughs) <laughs> it was really fun. I was, uh, thank you. I was, I was on the range at Glen Karen. I was working with one client and then I had a phone call with another and I was sitting in one of those Muskoka chairs yeah. just overlooking the range. I was like, how good is this? It's a beautiful Monday. The sun is shining down. I'm sitting in a Muskoka chair looking at a range, you know, while providing valuable, worthwhile and obviously helpful services to a client. So it was a very good day. Well, you are a man in the service of others. and uh, Thank you. That's Thank amazing. You. I just um, give and I give. You're a I giver. Give. You're that's a giver. Um, I want to be a taker a little bit more. But that's for another podcast. Uh, before we get into uh, early season golf woes, because Timmy and I are both kind of feeling that, how about we look back on uh, a little bit of the Players' Championship last week? And uh, some interesting things to note. Tiger Woods continues to be impressive, and I think most people know him. Tiger Woods is my favorite golfer of all time. And uh, it was interesting to see him shoot 65, 69 in the weekend. But more importantly than the numbers was just the control, the golf mechanical control. But also, I mean, the guy is a a, a next-level mental performer, but... It was pretty interesting to see some old Tiger there. In fact, actually better than old Tiger. Because old Tiger used to make me cross my fingers every time he took driver out of his bag. But for those uh, 36 holes, it just seemed like he could hit fairways any times he wanted to. Oh, yeah. Uh, what I loved Tiger was just uh, the poise and the confidence he showed. I mean, at, at that TPC Sawgrass, there's danger everywhere. And he would just get up and go through his process and... You know, it worked out great, and he just seemed to be just in control. Like there wasn't a smidge of extra time or anything that went into it. So he looked like totally in control. It was unfortunate though, with the, though on seventeen, you know, he, on, on seventeen he, on on Saturday or on uh, on Sunday. Sun, Sunday was the first yeah. time he hit it in the water there in thirteen years. Yeah, wow. But and it was like Johnny Miller goes, "We oh, didn't even compress that thing." So. It'll be interesting to see when he's next in contention in a big event. Like, I look at the Players Memorial. They're kind of like the Tier 2 events just under the majors. So, 
Yeah, there's a little bit more heat there than John Deere Classic, whatever. So that'll be interesting to see how he how he shows up. Well, you in, know, I, I, didn't, I didn't think 17, 17 to me wasn't the bigger mistake. The big mistake for me or the, the momentum killer was 14. He hits this drive there on 14. It's 350-yard drive or whatever, and he's got 110 or less in, misses the green, spins it back, makes bogey. Oh, right. I just thought that was where the heat showed up. Listen, you can lots of people hit it in the water there and he really wasn't in contention. He was No, the, the, he wasn't. There was a I mean the 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 contention part was could he have finished cuz the guys that were third, fourth, uh, second or whatever, that was like a whole other tournament. By the right. time uh what's his name? Uh Webb we had like Weber? A, yeah, the Weber but by the time Weber got around to uh, the back nine there, he, it looked like, other than, you know, if, unless he had a heart attack, he was going to win. Right. Once he, in fact, once he hit the green on 17, I stopped watching. Um, yeah, I mean, it was – Simpson looked a little shaky there for a, a little, little while, but but he, he got it back. Uh, I thought it was interesting, the discussion uh, – I know Golf World had a really neat piece on Monday about how he's kind of adapted this – this new putting style with the longer putter, but it's not anchored to his sternum, which they outlawed, but he's got it anchored to his forearm. So he's kind of got this quasi Bernard Langer. That's grab, right. Grab the. You and I would remember Langer was the first one to do that. Yeah. He won the masters doing that. Cause he Langer used to battle the yips. And so he's, so Simpson's got it anchored against his, his for, left forearm, which is okay, but then he's got the claw thing. So he's kind of amalgamated two different styles, and obviously it's working for him really nicely. You know, very quietly, and I think Johnny Miller much, may have mentioned this too, but somebody mentioned it on the broadcast on the weekend. Very quietly, the saw grip or the modified pencil saw, whatever they call it with the right hand, yeah, it seems to have uh, gone from a novelty to almost... You know, I'd say some high percentage of players are using it. Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Mickelson. Sergio. Sergio, uh, Weber. Um, a bunch of them are using it. And it made me wonder, you know, those guys are all, all about the science. There there must be something about the the pressure or the the way the right hand can guide but not take over. Have you ever tried it or have you recommended it to anyone? No, I, ha- I haven't. Um but I can understand it. It's more kind of like you, you just nailed it. The the problem that people th- associate with the right hand for for a right handed golfer is it gets twitchy. The small muscles and it you know it'll it'll kind of turn over a little bit and you'll get, usually get the yanks left, um, which I know about recently. <laughs> <laughs> I just want everyone to know. Just before we started recording, Tim was like, you know, I, I've had some bad rounds. I'm like, I've had bad rounds. <laughs> Um, anyway, continue. Yeah, so from what I understand of the science, is it's kind of like the left for a right-hander is kind of like the guide, and the right applies the power. So maybe it still does that, but it's the way you've got the right hand situated on the club, it's, it's in a way that it's it's not going to overpower or something. So, well, I've been. Uh, I, don't get much, I don't get much in the. I used to be like Mister Mechanics, like over the top guy, and now I just don't pay as much attention to that stuff. And but. I and I know you don't. I know that one of your you know teaching or guiding principles is all about feeling it, and that's great. And I and I buy into a, a good portion of that. But I will say to you that there is a place for, and I want to talk about this at some point 
there's a place for basics, fundamentals. There's a place for science, and, and there's a place for using training aids. You know, the 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 fact is, I'm I am still. And what I've realized this recently, what I love about the game is this conversation. But what I also love about the game, and I will until I, you know, pass on, is I love the mechanical getting into why things work and how they work. The trick is to turn that off to go play the game. That is the... That's the big one. But I'll, there's a reason that every day that Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas, every day they go to the golf course, they use alignment rods, they use putting stations, they use mirrors for their stroke. The reason they do it is because we all know, and they know it more than we do, but a 1-2-5% change in setup alignment wrecks the whole thing. So I would recommend... If you are going to do some mechanical training that it's all around with your full swing, it should all be around setup, ball position, and alignment. And with putting, you really need to build some feedback devices. And I'd recommend this guy. Uh, I had never really seen any of his stuff. He's speech guy, Cameron McCormick. And I had uh, somewhere in January, February, just on the Golf Channel, I, I taped a bunch of uh, the skill codes, they're called. You ever heard of that skill? No, that sounds that's cool. So he's Cameron McCormick. Cameron McCormick's got a a series on the Golf Channel, and I had realized the other day, a week or so ago, I taped about ten of them, and I just started going through them for putting and for chipping and for bunker play. And I would just say to anyone that's having some difficulty in those areas, putting especially, he's got a couple of uh, two thirty-minute episodes. uh, One's called. the putting triad and the other one's called putting phd the simple the short of it all i know i'm I'm way over i'm way past short but he i i've built a couple of very simple um little stations putting stations that he recommends that he has speed to and and one of them is basically to check your posture and your your setup for the putting and the other one is to is to show you how to groove a consistent and shallow very, you know, we a lot of people realize that the putting stroke is a bit of an arc, you know, back and forth, but it's a very subtle arc. Anyway, I just recommend that that if you're, and we're going to get into Tim and Howard's uh, great uh, golf angst in, in a second. But Timmy, you can be you can be feel oriented all you want, but if you're aimed, if your putter is aimed three inches right of the hole, I don't care what your feel is. If you don't know that, um, you're going to be making very nice Zen strokes that are all going to start right at your target. I agree with all of that. Do you? I agree with all of that. Do I you? Do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and mute. I'm just going to sit here and mute because I think you're, no, you've nailed it. What the, where I get, um, or if there's any difference at all is that what people, golfers have this, this push, this zeal to have like a perfect stroke and, or perfect swing and it's in that effort that often I just think people get derailed because it's more about, to me, is like hitting a golf shot, making a putting stroke. And if you put even the best players on you know, tracking technology, each putting stroke they make is going to be slightly different than the one before because they're human beings. So to get to your point, the more that you can say get your alignment is correct, your posture is right your your weight is in the right spot you got good ball position you're increasing your chances of hitting solid shots the same way if you're more 
uh, have better aim on your putts, well, then you increase your chances of, of doing it. But a lot of where I think the, the problem comes is from trying to take basically someone else's experience, namely uh, an instructor or a Michael Breed or just to pick an easy name, um, and to try and apply these models to yourself when you don't even really, A, understand them and their concepts. But uh, no, I'm I'm with you 100. Well, if I if I just if want you, to, let me just interject for a second. If you have bad posture, no, I'm finishing. No, no, <laughs> if let you me have inter- bad no, posture. Let, let me let you're you finish this. Well. Stop it. This is. Let no. me just jump in. I am done. No, no, you're not done. <laughs> Stop this. I'm gonna. I because I, I want to. It's about what you said. If you don't have all those things, then you're on the golf course. No, when those things are correct, then you can sail the boat. Because I'll tell you what, the, the, the more you're confident that you've put in some time, that you are aware of your alignment, that you are confident that you're at least kind of starting the ball on the line you've picked, you can let, you can let your brain just turn off. Yep. Please continue. Yeah, but you can also, there's a very cool drill. Uh, I know that I, I talked with Sean Casey about this and one of his clients, and he's, he does this thing where, yes, he's trying to get all his, all those those young guys at Glen Abbey to be you know, good fundamentals for sure. Yep. Uh, alignment, ball position, all that good stuff. And then he has them hit balls with their body contorted all over the place, almost with like their, their back facing away from the target and hitting from there, um, holding the, starting the golf club, say, instead of the ball behind the ball, they start it with it, you know, two feet in the air. And what's amazing is that, when your intent is to hit the ball at a target and maybe even hit a certain shape, you can generally you can do that. So, to your point, it's sort of it's a mixture of them both. Is that if you're in a if you if your intent is to make a make a golf shot of a certain shape or style and, and at a certain target, your body will figure it out. But you give your the more you are balanced in alignment good position you just increase your chances and you're naturally going to feel a little bit more comfortable over the ball to be able to let it go the the problem that people have is they stand over a shot and maybe they're not even conscious of it they fidget around and they're not even sure why they just don't feel comfortable and generally something is off and so the so that is your signal to step back maybe it's the wrong club maybe you didn't take in consideration you've got a a different lie or something and recalibrate and but you can also take that experience to the range and see okay where do i feel more comfortable and generally you're you know through a good eye often with another person helping you it could be a coach you can figure those things out a lot of those things is just in your body and your sense of sense of feel and balance and all that kind of stuff I would submit, and this will now be a nice segue into our recent early golf season experience, I will submit that where your ball is in your stance, I just want to make sure I get this right, more than almost anything else in terms of the mechanics, the turn back, the drop, all those secondary spine angle, etc., where that ball is, is, I think, a preeminent determinant of your ability to see lines correctly 
and for you to find the golf ball. And I would submit to you all that if you check or have, as Tim said, somebody else check, if you go and just like, because I'm a super nerd, I'll sit and watch computer module videos of golfers. You know, there's this series I've been watching lately, AMS versus Pros. And one of the things that pros do, and this is all, they're all computer models. If you see a professional golfer set up, it looks a lot different than the average person uh, in a lot of different ways that that the average person can do. Mostly where most amateurs are tilted way too far from a right-handed golfer, way too far to the right. But, But forget that just for a second. If you look where Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, where the golf ball is in their stance will seem further forward to you than where you normally have it. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's the only time. Just go and explore that. Because I'll tell you, whether it's chipping, putting, or your driver, that ball is too far back in your stance. I'm telling you from experience, and it causes a lot of bad stuff. Okay. So, Tim works with a lot of guys. Most people know by now. You know, I've I've already played uh, two pretty big tournaments. Um the first time I did a qualifier, I'd played. It was my third round of the year. It was humiliating. <laughs> it was just, it was you gross. Get right now, do it. That was just humiliating. Um, and then Remember, we, gross for gr- gross for the young people is actually good. Gross is like excellent. So okay, but let's be let's be aware of our language usage here. For oh, our diverse audience. Are you okay? I'll just let that go. I just love the fact that okay, just a minute. So it was uh, it was uh, it was an awful day in terms of my mental capacity to hit a golf ball. And in fact, some of the shots I hit were so awful that my friend Charles, who's an also you know he's been on the show, he's a sports psych guy, he's also one of the top five or you know ten golfers in the country. At one point, he just put his arm on me and was like, "There, there, old fella, it's okay." You know, we'll fight another day. That was the day he shot sixty-seven. When we played the actual tournament. Um, a week ago, we, we finished in the middle of the pack. Neither of us, I actually had a better day. Charles didn't play very well. And uh, here's how here's how you can tell. Our better ball was, I think, three over par. And uh, I contributed on, I'd say, a third of the hole. So that should tell you how bad Charles was playing. My point is, by the time the second tournament had come around, I started to feel a little bit more comfortable. But I still couldn't access even average ball striking. Now, before I go on, I want to tell you that, you know, I, I, I saw Tim the other day at uh, Glen Karen. He was about to see some clients, and I said to you, I said, I'm struggling, man. Like, um, I was really struggling, and I couldn't, I'd only, I played 10 rounds. I'd broken 80 only a couple times. And again, I know a lot of people would like to shoot 76, but for me, I had a lot of 81s, 83s. The other day, I four-putted the last hole to shoot 80. So I was having a lot of chaos on the golf course. I know, I know. Ouch! Agony, agony! Whoa! But but what kept me going, and I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. What kept me going is Billy Horschel. I kept thinking, miscut, 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 win. Because right. Billy Horschel did that this winter. It was three or four missed cuts in a row. And the reason I remembered that is because that's what golf is. And the day I saw you, which was only three days ago. I went out to play. I triple bogeyed the second hole and shot 75 because I left that that green fuming. And my friend who I was playing with, Paul Henrik, who's a former tour player, he put his arm around me and he said, hey, why don't you see uh, what you could shoot for the rest of the round now that that's out of the way? And I went, okay. 
<laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. I'll try that. And uh, this is the last part of the story. And this is this has happened to me on multiple occasions. I rifle my, it's a 175-yard par 3, and I hit a beautiful shot, but it the wind caught it, and I, I hit it way over the green. But I made this really, really difficult chip and got up and down, and then the whole world's changed. Because I went, oh, oh, that's possible. And then I played the rest of the round uh, even par. My point is, I, I just, you just need to wait. It's agonizing, but it will always come back. It's just in the in the waiting part. You know, I, how many clubs are you going to throw? <laughs> like, yeah. like I got to tell you, I was so angry a week ago, uh, the day I four putted to shoot eighty. Like I was driving home, going, I don't know, I'm going to do this anymore. I put so much work in it, and that night I was meeting my girlfriend's parents for the first time, and it was a beautiful occasion. It was her mother's 80th birthday, and I was having a great time, but a couple times during the dinner, I'm like, why aren't we talking about the fact that I four-butted to shoot 80? <laughs> How can we be all having fun when just hours ago I four-putted? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah exactly. How that, dare that you, people? Me, oh, it reminds me of, there's this, I know there's a, there's this joke where this husband and wife they're not they they're not really connecting. So they just like let's go to dinner, and so so they go out to dinner. But they're still you know he's kind of staring at the window. Conversation is awkward. So she tries and saves the night. But you know let's go to that little piano bar that we like. So they go to a little piano bar, and again it's still not working. It's there's not much banter, and it just stilted. And she's wondering, oh my gosh. So she goes home. And she gets out her diary and she goes, dear diary, I wonder, is this it? Are we done? It's just not seems to be working anymore. And meanwhile, he's in his journal and he's going, a four putt, a freaking four putt. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, well, that's and, but, and that's the thing. I, I was I can only describe it as, you know, golf despondent and only other golfers can know what it feels like oh. when you think. Why do I continue to do all this, and why do I practice? And well, that's part. Of, that's part. When we started doing this show, and we started talking to other golfers, go through the experience, the drive home, despair, the spiral vortex of death, as we call it. That is just such a common experience. You know, you another game, high expectations, the swing thought from Wednesday that you thought would carry over to Thursday. Yet again, another you know it sits on the ash heap of of broken dreams, <laughs> <laughs> and you drive home and go like, oh, you know, another thing. I guess I suck. Why do I play? I'm not going to play Wednesday. Maybe I'll quit. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe I'll every quit. Golfer, every or in my case, I always threaten to start hitting ball, start golfing left-handed. I'll start <laughs> all over again on a completely <laughs> different mindset. I'll just play left-handed. Maybe I'll try the Mo Norman swing. No. Um, like last night, I I played at men's night. Played horrible front, uh, not a bad back until the debacle on 15. And so I'm having dinner with all these guys who I love at Blue Springs. And my energy level is like, you know, like from zero to 10, about a two. <laughs> and I have to leave. I got to go. I got to go meet this guy to go get some stuff. And I'm just going like. Oh my god! I have to, I have no energy to talk to this dude. Like it's all just been sapped out of me. And so I'm aware. So here's where I'm gonna 
get into I think what's really going on is like our ego is just like oh it just gets sapped and we're all this mind stuff goes on oh I guess this and the mind just goes all over the place and and it's kind of like that's where our minds have us right instead of <clears throat> us have have a mind it has us and it's all the storytelling and all that to figure this crap out and it's all just delusion it's hallucination it's all of that because the reality is maybe with the exception of the aforementioned low norman no one gets golf no one masters it and it's just riding those waves and like you said sometimes it's just a waiting game and something kicks in i, I know like last night i made a I made a, uh, a sort of a pitch shot, and I felt my body, my upper body, kind of go backwards. That's an old thing mm -hmm. that happens to me from time to time. So, oh, okay, I'm aware of that now, and I wasn't. So, Just, just let me uh, pop in for a second as your mental therapist. Um, I'd like to point you. out two quick things. And I appreciate the support. I really do. Well, here's the thing. Imagine this conversation, and, and all you and I have done for as long as we've known each other and many years before, all we've done is think about the mental performance part of the game. And yet, no matter how informed we are, I was going to say strong, but as no matter how informed we are and there's any, imagine golf nerds, how many things during a round of golf could Tim O'Connor or golf's richer leader, could I come up with to get me out of it and yet... And yet still feel sorry for myself and still feel embarrassed and moping. And I always do this. My big one, my fallback, everyone should know this, because I practice more than anybody I've ever met. I'm not bragging. It's just the truth. And here's my big one. I can't believe it. I put all this time in, and I can't even get the ball up and down. I can't believe it. I built a practice station from Cameron McCormick and a four-putt the last screen. And then... Then I'm, I have this new girlfriend, and she says to me Saturday, so how'd the golf go? I went, fine. <laughs> Just fine. She goes, do you want to talk about it? I went, no. <laughs> like, because <laughs> I didn't want, I don't want to talk, I don't want her to have to hear me whine about golf. And then after the evening was over, she said, so how come you want to tell me about your golfing, or whatever she calls it? And, uh. You're, you went out and shot some golf. But I, I said, because I didn't want it to become a thing at your mom's night. I didn't want it to be, you know. But I will say this. I got up during this expensive, beautiful meal. I went to the washroom, and I looked at myself in the mirror while I was washing my hands. And I put my I was checking my back. <laughs> checking my, my back swing. Like, where is that ball? God damn. So imagine if you're listening. If, if we're going through this. You know, I it, it, it's okay for you. We know you're going through it because we all we all have these emotions. The idea is, you know, what can you do with them? Oh yeah. Well, well thank you, Howard Glassman, for confirming your humanity. You and, know, and you too, Timothy. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know, <clears throat> cut me, I bleed. You know, one of my favorite position, heal thyself. Quotes. Yes, exactly. But it's just. Every, if, if you don't have I'll use an I statement here I react in the same way every other golfer generally does um, I remember even watching you know Charles Fitzsimmons you know great golfer that he is uh, Ontario University golf champ won a number of Ontario 
GAO events last year, sports psychologist. I watched him in that final round of the OUAs. He had some squirrely shots and he, you know, thumped his club on the ground and, you know, you know, looked up in the air and, oh, my God. And because that's what happens. We're, the, we're there because we want to compete. The difference is, I think, a little bit is that is that when you have some experience around this stuff, you got a little bit more awareness of, of like what's the way to respond. And so, yeah, I get despondent about it, but I can quickly kind of catch myself and go, oh, Tim, you're in that little, you know, oh, woe is me, little Timmy freaking place of despair and just, you know, get out of it and just get back into conversation with your partners look at the sun, enjoy the day. That's a little bit of the difference is just awareness. Well, I'll tell you, I played with Charles uh, last Thursday and both of us were playing a team match. It's a tough day. I mean, our, our three over better ball was like I say, half halfway in the pack or so it was a lot of, there were some guys that were in the sixties. There was lots of guys higher than us, but I saw Charles hit some shots. <laughs> I saw him hit some shots that day. I said to him, are you even trying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we bogey, we had a team, we we team bogeyed the first two holes because he was just not in it, and I was struggling. It took me five or six or seven holes to finally get back some semblance of a game. But you know, that guy does what we do for a living and what you do for a living, and you know, you know, he got he he was whining about bad lies and bad bounces, and just like anyone else. And as as I will say this, though, here's the experience I've had recently, the Billy Horschel example. So, you know, for the first I, I think what happened to me is partly I'm I'm trying to squeeze in a lot of golf in a short period of time because all of a sudden, like this weekend's the early bird, then Tuesday's the mid-am qualifier, then this senior am. And there's a bunch of, you know, tournaments I care about all in a very short period of time. And because April was canceled this year, they uh, they right. canceled April. I'm, I'm not sure if you knew that. Well, I've been sort of in a weird feeling of anxiety around, well, I've got to get back to good really quickly, but golf doesn't care about that. It just, you have to kind of let it come to you. And I, like I said, the day I saw you uh, after the second hole that I triple bogeyed, I think uh, of the next 15, 16 holes we played, I hit like 13 greens in regulation. Like it just, it just flipped. Now, Charles and uh, Simon McInnes and all these players, Matt Ion Young, what keeps them around par on their bad days and in the 60s on their good days is just a little bit more confidence. And, and confidence is a, a funny little animal. But I want to pass on something that Charles and I discussed the day that I was struggling and something I saw in Tiger Woods on Saturday. And this, is, this will be my... Uh, golf spiritual leader takeaway for today's podcast. I'm going to write this down. I have a pen in my hand and a blank piece of paper. Do now, tell. Okay. So this this is a quote <clears throat> that I remembered from Bob Rotella, the very first book I ever read on the mental side of the game. Golf is not a game of perfect. And what he said, and Charles and I were talking about this, and Charles reminded me of this idea. Rotella said that what a golfer wants to feel is make is to make aggressive swings at conservative targets. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Aggressive swings 
Now, I never really understood what that meant. I thought it meant like swinging wildly uh, at a, you know, at the fast side of the green. That's but, not like wanting to punch Doug Ford, is it? No, that's different. Um, okay. But listen. I thought that was good. Anyways. That's, you thought what? I thought that was funny. That's kind Sorry. of funny. I don't, listen, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was cute. I think we can go with cute. cute. It was cute. Um, okay. Go ahead. I'm, I personally. Uh, that was an egregious. I don't want to. I don't want to punch Doug Ford. Uh, I mean, Kathleen Wynn's had a, a nice run. If we're going to talk politics, I don't know who to vote for. You can't. You can't vote NDP. That's like voting for circus people. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so <laughs> sorry. Um, so feel aggressive that, swinging at feel aggressive swings at aggressive swings at conservative targets. That too. That's, okay, that's a great. Great so, one. but what it really means, and and this is where I'm getting to. This is the takeaway for today. The funny thing about the game is this: the more timidly you swing, the more meekly you carry yourself, the more sorry for yourself you are presenting, the the less chance you have of hitting any kind of good shot. For instance, that day uh, I was struggling. Charles was struggling, but I was really struggling for to hit the golf ball. And he finally said, hey, you know, we, we talked about, you know, let's try and, you know, turn your brain off. And that's easier said than done. But he said, it looks to me, and this is where the learning came for me. He said, it just looks to, to me like you're swinging not for something bad to happen. And I ha a light bulb went off about the seventh hole. And for the last, you know, 10, 11 holes we played that day under tournament conditions, I striped it. And all I was telling myself was swing as hard as you can. Because if you're going to miss it, miss it like a champ. You know, miss it hard. Because yeah. the irony is when you make an aggressive swing, all the golfy technical things are more likely to happen. And if you do go offline, at least you're going offline having, you know, as the kids say nowadays, a roasted one. Like all of a sudden, I was my club head speed came back, my ball flight came back, the divots were good, the alignment was better. I just swung hard at the middle of the green for the rest of the round, and I hit some beautiful shots under pressure, like high draw four irons into a left to right wind. Because I just said, okay, well, I'll just swing as not as hard as I can, but I swung hard, and I'm going to tell you. It's the thing I'm going to take with me for the rest of the summer because I noticed that day when I saw you and I started playing well, I was making good, not good, like intentioned swings. Yeah, I missed some, but they weren't far off. They weren't the snap hook. You know, I under pressure, I will tell you all, I hit some bad, bad hooks. And where it comes from is I'm so nervous about going left. Yeah that I can't make a full swing, and they go left ironically enough. But when I swing hard and I miss it, I tend to miss it a little high, blocked uh, cut, and those you can find all day. I have right. done. I am done. So I would, yes, well, I would urge all our faithful listeners that on the little podcast app to hit the thing that makes it go backwards about three minutes, hit that and listen to that again. There was a ton of great gold in what you just said. All of it is just was the Rob really Ford part good. was funny too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but you're absolutely right about when you make aggressive swings, you know, like mechanically you're going to get over on your lead side. All that good stuff is going to happen. I, I, I love all of that. But I remember um, 
see, my sort of shadow, if you will, is is in my all parts of my life, including golf, is do everything right. And I was in such a um, effort to try and swing correctly. I wasn't really swinging at the ball at all. I was just trying to make this motion. And I remember a couple times just swinging good swings and just give it a just give her a whack. It's like holy crap, you can hit the ball really well. Never mind all that mumbo jumbo. But the the piece that I wanted to connect to and elaborate on a little bit, you, you mentioned the word, uh, you know, swinging say timidly. So so where you know when someone is timid, that's coming. If you go underneath that, really, what that is is fear. And what happens for so many people is that they are actually afraid of where of what could happen. Now you think like, oh, it's a golf course. How afraid can I be? Really afraid. Yeah. Yeah, and you well, you're afraid of lo- you're afraid of looking silly. Yeah, you're afraid of not doing silly. it right. Fear, fear of being judged, or say, fear of good score going yanking it left, ob, whatever. So, if this is what I was actually thinking about this morning about my own putting woes, because just for the first four rounds, it just seems that uh, I've just not been able to get the ball near the hole and it would go on left and short and like what the hell because i can putt great here at home and on the putting green at blue springs and everything and i put together some stuff that i've come across before and that is i can try and say make free strokes free swings all i want but if the environment i'm in i view that as almost a dangerous place or correlate with something that could be not great then all that free swing stuff isn't going to happen because my brain interprets my environment as dangerous. So I'm going to be tense. I'm going to be ready for a fight. So part of what it is for me is is understanding. You know what? This is when I get on green. This is my house. I'm good at this. I, it's okay. There's nothing that can happen. Let her. And that way, I'm more apt to let her rip. That's my two cents. Well, and I want to bring it back and connect, as you said, to uh, Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods on Saturday and Sunday at the Players' uh, Championship there with his driver looked to me like he was swinging aggressively and with confidence as opposed to some of the times when he, you know, hits it off the world. He looks to me a little bit like he's trying not to hit it somewhere, you know, bad or have bad things happen. And and I got to tell you it's funny because it, it it's just another one of those reminders to us and hopefully to others that failure or not doing your not living up to whatever you think you should be is in fact a temporary condition. You know, I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks to a group and uh You know, it's all around a lot of the stuff you and I talk about, but it's basically that, you know, a lot of us panic when things aren't going well because we think that, oh, well, you know, when I four-putted the green last Saturday, literally part of me thought, well, I guess that's it. I guess I just suck at putting, you know, then cut to three days later, the day after I tripled the second hole, you know, I I just, I was, I looked like I was going to sink everything. And uh, I made a couple birdies, but one of the birdies I made was like a 45-foot putt. Like, uh, everything was in the hole or around the hole. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is I just you just need – all golfers are looking for is just a little bounce, just a little 
reminder that you can do this, that you are a good putter, that the putting area is something you're comfortable with. But it's it's just when it's not going well, we just tell each other these stories. Right. And because we part of what reason we're telling ourselves stories on the way home is we think, what if this is it? What if this is how I am? And what if this is just not another you know, what if this isn't a blip? This is now who I am, the bad putting guy or whatever we think of ourselves. Yeah, that's that's kind of where the where both the anger, uh, the despair and shall we say almost the resignation comes. Oh, that's it. I'm this forever. I guess my mm-hmm. grade nine phys ed teacher was right. Yes. I'm not <laughs> athletic. You know, I'll always suck. You know, you'll never make the football team O'Connor. Well, true. Because it's, cause it's our stories. I mean, and that's what that's what happens. Unfortunately, as we go through life, stuff happens and we we erroneously write these stories. Well, I, I guess I'm no good uh, talking in front of crowds. I guess uh, I can't be trusted. I guess I just don't have it to be a good putter. And all of it is just delusion, hallucination, just and it's just basically your ego trying to trying to make sense of the world for you. So it's being able to go like, oh, there it goes again. My freaking mind is just having a little temper tantrum and blah, blah, blah. And it is just blah, blah, blah. So it's being able to understand, oh, there's my mind tripping away again. Well, forget that nonsense and let's just get back to business. Well, and, 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 and having the maturity... And I think that's, in my case, I can't speak for you because you, you seem very mature to me, although at times immature. Um, but I, yeah, the I, Doug Ford joke was a, a more evident. You know, let's that. pretend that never – let's go back in time and pretend that never happened. No, with me, it's the immaturity to not remember that it will write itself, that – I don't need part of what gets my anger up is I is that is that I'm like I get mad at myself I try so hard why can't golf blah 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 it's well, the, it's the maturity to know that it's going to come back at some point right but it's also the awareness that what's happening is our past is in essence writing our future we right. think that based on their past evidence that this is the way it's going to be it's all again it's all just hallucination you look at the difference between the way a 12-year-old putts and the way a 45-year-old putts. You know, a 12-year-old misses the putt, hits it too long. For, oh, that doesn't mean he's destined to be a bad putter. No, he'll just go and make that four-footer coming back. The older golfer has all these memories of missed putts and, oh, I guess, I guess I'll be three-putting for the rest of my life. That's that's the difference. And what you talked about good players, they have confidence. They know that they're going to hit shots offline, sure. Does That's that right. mean they're doomed forever? No. They just, you know, just work on it, wait for it, come back. I picked out a, a quote, um, and I think we're almost done. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to end my part on this, and then you can uh, c- comment or, or maybe have a takeaway. So there's a guy named Seth Godin, and he's. Yes. Uh, yes. You heard of him? Marketing guru. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And he's written a uh, book called. The, and, pardon me? Yeah, all that stuff. He's got a great book called Purple Cow, but yeah, sorry. So that, that's fine. Um, the book that uh, I'm going to read you a quote from is called The Dip. And The Dip is where he explains that early on in any endeavor or enterprise, and I, and I took this quote because I'm going to give it to in my talk. My, my Basically, my little talk I'm giving, my keynote is about 
that most of us have unfulfilled dreams and desires and the, and what is the what are the reasons we hold ourselves back the, the name of the talk is called why aren't why don't we fly and the reason most nice. people don't fly is because they don't think they can but i i'm an example of you know i didn't think i was anywhere near bright enough to learn that skill but i remember when i did i went wow i guess anyone can learn this because i did and i'm not you know i'm not very good at you know mathematics and physics and i'm not a very technical person but i could i i absorbed enough of it to get my pilot's license and uh and i thought okay what is it about me and, and some of the things i've been able to be successful at whether it's riding a unicycle yeah or um you know learning to fly and i got this quote from seth godin he says early on in any endeavor or enterprise a person will experience a dip when things become difficult and seem insurmountable it's in this phase, the dip phase, that most people give up. Right. But winners, he says, love the dip and they lean into it because they know that success lays waiting for them at the other end of it. And I think as golfers, and I can only speak for myself, because I'm okay with the dip. I just sometimes forget that it's on the way to success. Thank you. <laughs> Just practicing your keynote for you. Yeah. But, uh, I've been practicing. It's funny because this whole week on the Humble and Fred show, I've just been practicing like 10 minutes at a time of my little speech. But that I really believe that. I believe that the ability to learn is the ability to be uncomfortable, to be okay with failure, and to not worry about change as you are changing from one thing to another. Because most people, and I really believe that, they get to the part where the novelty's worn off, you're in the fourth week of French classes, it starts to get difficult, they interview, they introduce a few new verbs, and you go, I'm out, or bonjour, or salut, <laughs> you know. Au revoir. Au revoir, thank you. A bientôt. <laughs> but I truly believe that golfers need to remember that the dip is only that. And that if you lean into it as, a boy, as opposed to, you know, freak out about it, which is what Tim and I have been talking about a little bit today, that you just need to patiently wait the dip out and know that on the other side of it, you will have built some more skills that you can take to the next time. Yeah, I think that's, I can put that on a t-shirt, wait the dip out. Um, <laughs> that's really This dip good. is only temporary. That's right. Um, yeah, and I think that often golfers will kind of naturally come out of it you know we're, we're gonna have sometimes emotional reactions to what goes on and then a couple of days later oh okay i guess i i won't quit golf i guess i'll come back to it because the what i talk about a lot of times it's the attachment you know once we start attaching ourselves our ability oh you know i suck or i guess i'll never be good that's when the, the crap happens but it's also being able to just to get like you know this is just part of the practice this is part of the learning and i'm just make one connection then shut the hell up is that uh i worked with a client this week and he's been struggling with his chipping so he so he just we went through things and i just got him to connect more to the target and once he started to do that he started to hit them more solid and he says well we'll see how that works tomorrow on the course so i sent him a note and i said just be ready for once you're on the course, you have the expectations, you have your emotions around it. It's highly likely the old stuff's going to come back. But if you allow yourself to just 
stay with it and learn rather than, oh, well, I guess that didn't work. And just have a sense of patience. And that, to me, is part of the dip, is being just go through it and learn from it. Because unless you're in the dip or in a sense of discomfort, you ain't never growing. Yeah, and that's what they talk about. You know, in order for a muscle to grow, you have to tear it slightly. And right. most of us, when we're in our golf, you know, m- mopes, um, forget that. Uh, I know I yeah. did. You know, like I said, there was a lot of things, a confluence of events that got me thinking the way I've been thinking uh, prior to this week. I just was running out of patience. I was working really hard in my game as I do. I enjoy that. I don't want to think that I'm like so... You know, you've seen me out there. I, you know, yesterday I had a, a thing to do, so I couldn't play men's night. But I went there and hung out with the guys, and I practiced. And, you know, I, and I was basically hitting nothing but bunker shots, chips, and putts for like three hours. And I just love it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. do it. I, I love it because I get absorbed in it. Anyway, one of the guys I like walked by me and goes, I can't. Are you still in the bunker? I go, I don't ever want to leave. Like I, I, all good all good players love to practice. It's yeah, just, uh, I just like that's it. That's part of the beauty of golf is you're by yourself and it's it's just, I love doing it. It's that. me and I mean, my, I can compete with, I don't have to have anyone around, but, oh, but, yeah. but part of my moping or my, that was that I forget that, you know, I was just thinking to myself at one point a week ago, I was like, I can't, I can't even break 80. But, uh, and now I'm like this, my, and it changed around like that. Now I'm looking forward to this tournament this weekend. Whether I do or I don't shoot the number, I, I just feel like, oh, it's possible again. Now yep. it's now I remember that guy. I remember what it feels like to hit a bunch of greens. I remember what it feels like, and it doesn't feel much different except for my my body language is different. My sense of hopefulness is different. I'm back again. And that's there. There, I wish we could find it because there's a great quote from Tom Watson, and I, I screw it up constantly. But he basically says what we've been saying: you have to be patient with golf. It's a it's a game of waiting, but you need to wait with equanimity. I guess you need to yes, wait and, for it. And as we wrap up yet another lovely episode of Swing Thoughts, couldn't you just take that to your whole life? Isn't because golf is just a metaphor for life, right? If you say so. <laughs> golf is life. Well, I mean, the, the quote is true. It's not a, golf is not a matter of life and death. It's more important. It's more that. important. Well, Which it's like a I, really bad. That's a bad, stale old joke. Sorry. But I Sorry. love it. You know, it's funny because uh, I've mentioned this to you personally. I can't remember if I've shared it on the show, but uh, when I first met this woman who I really, really like a lot, she said, uh, well, my, she said something like, well, my brother golfs. And I went, no, he doesn't. And then uh, a few months later, I sent her a picture of me. I sent her a picture of me hooked up to the computer at the TaylorMade Golf Center, all covered in lights and diodes. And I said, this is what golf looks like. This, is, this, is, this isn't what your brother's doing. Um, TaylorMade, yeah. of course, the uh, number one driver in golf. And uh, we also want to thank our friends at Adidas. Golf Canada, the new Tour 360 2.0 and 365 Polo. Tim O'Connor, you can get him if you want. Where do people find you, sir? O'ConnorGolf.ca. Yeah, they do. And uh, Tim's busy, but he's got time for you this summer. This is the investment you need to make. And, of course, check out the Humble and Fred Show at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Very funny radio programming. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. inside, but you don't see too many faces.
Ayo, Ayo.